I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And on this episode is our Mandalorian recap, the Chit Chat, episode three, the sin. What is the sin? Is the sin not watching it at all? That would be a sin. Is the sin being in Europe and somehow being able to watch it? Is that the sin they refer? Is that sort of some, you know, secret message there for Star Wars fans? I don't know. We will find out. Or probably not. But either way, joining us uh, once again to the chit-chat from the Blue Harvest podcast, it's Horst Burkhart. How you doing, Horz? I'm good. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for being had in New York. The Canto Bite Dispatches, Emily Lind. Hello. And from Hollywood, the Mandalorian's own Dominic Pace. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, um, I haven't spoken to you really since uh, the Mandalorian premiered. You just did a uh, a really fun interview episode uh about a week ago, a week or two ago, but how's the um, how's the ride been? I know occasionally you'll text me uh, new screenshots that you've seen of yourself, and uh, it, it, this must be a, a bizarre. Like for me, watching the Mandalorian is some bizarre Star Wars fever dream. How's it been for you, being uh, uh, the horned one in it? Uh, just amazing. I mean, obviously, I think any Star Wars fan would be able to relate that to be a one of a kind, unique bounty hunter. Of course. The screen time was limited. It's not necessarily an acting accolade. But again, when you're in the Star Wars universe, it's something special in and of itself. Uh, so it's been amazing. Now, unfortunately, not to be greedy, but now we hold our breath because I feel like we're in a gray area uh, as to whether we would get an action figure or not. And I'm just praying, well, even if it's a Lego, uh, you know, a side character or whatever, uh, that that dream comes true as well. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm just right at the cusp of, uh, of whether we were featured enough. Uh, so that's what I've been battling in my head. But regardless, whatever happens, uh, it was just obviously a dream come true. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to Filoni and Favreau and the amazing Deborah Chow, who's going to be leading the pack here pretty soon. Nice. Well, whether you get an action figure or not, like there's accolades that come with being in a Star Wars TV show, you know, action figure, being in a four-way chat on Skype, you know, these are all things to savor. Absolutely. Absolutely. We already have uh, uh, 2020 booked up with about seven or eight uh, conventions already. So that I'm really looking forward to. Nice. The hustle is real. I love it. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so this is the sin. Now, we start off with uh, the Mandalorians finally got off uh, Desert Planet 13 of the Star Wars universe, and he's off in space. I love just the craziness of this show, that there's a Boba Fett in a spaceship with a baby Yoda next to him, and then a hologram like starts up, and it's Apollo Creed giving him directions on how to bring back his bounty. It's it's delicious. Every scene with Carl Weathers seems like a '90s video game cutscene. It's 
It's the best. I've I'm Hawes, have you got Carl Weathers fever? Uh, I've got Carl Weathers fever in a big bad way. He's awesome. Now, Emily, you're not feeling too well. Is it an acute case of Carl Weathers fever? You know, I think that might be it. I think I think right now what's actually happening is I'm going through Carl Weathers withdrawal. Ah. Well, I hope you don't catch what he caught in um, Rocky episode three. It, 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 it did not end. Oh, no. Rocky episode. No. Four. When did Carl Weathers die in Rocky? Four. 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 Yeah. four. Okay. Four. 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 <laughs> and with that, my boxing childhood was ruined. Uh, you like that? Okay. Um, I almost like, like I could imagine that Carl Weathers hologram appearing and instead of saying Mando, saying Dash, sending him off. <laughs> You're a 90s Star Wars fan, Dom. Do you, do you pine for the days of Dash Rendar? Oh, my God. You're, 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 I'm, I'm lost here for a second. Dash Rendar. Uh, what was that from? Shadows was, of the was Empire. That one of the video, was that one of the video games? Yeah. Oh, we're outing you as a fake. This has all been a ruse, all this fandom <laughs> stuff. If you're not rating Dash Rendar. And, 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 and Hawes, when we talk Dash Rendar, what do we have to mention? The shoulder pads oh. and the quilted uh, jumpsuit. It's just the best. It's just the best. So the Mandalorian arrives on uh, on on back on the bounty hunter planet. Do we do we know the name of that anyone? I, I'm so I'm having such trouble keeping up with all these new names. I don't think it's been established yet. No. Okay. And he he struts along, and and my little Star Wars antenna of nitpickiness it did flare up. He's got this super valuable bounty, and it, it just it just ugh, me that he just lets it float like two meters behind him. Like, is he that confident? Is his spider senses that powerful that he'll know if something's going to get him from behind? Is he that confident? Is it against the bounty hill, like Hunter's Guild laws now? It's his. They can't take it off him, although the Trandoshians tried to. Um, is, is anyone else on me on team floating too far behind the Mandalorian, or have, have I just lost it yet again? Emily, where do you stand? Oh, I don't have Emily's audio. Ah. One sec. There we go. Okay. No, it's such a cool-looking shot that I'm willing to forgive it. If you need an explanation, you can go. Maybe once you get the bounty back to the planet, then other bounty hunters aren't allowed to interfere. So it's like Bounty Bali. There's rules. Do they have barley in America? Is that a, a concept for when you play Tiggy or Tag? Do they have barleys? Is that, a, is that a thing or am I just making that up? I mean, uh, we, uh, I guess, I mean, you can go home and that's safe. Ah, in Australia, we say barleys. I'm barleys. I'm barleys. You touch the pole, it's barleys. So. Yeah, there's rules. There's rules depending on who you're playing with. You know, of course, those rules are always broken, but uh, ultimately, yeah, there's rules. Uh, and then he drops him off and it, it, you get that tinge, that tinge of guilt kick in. Um, oh, that little cry or like whatever Yoda had when he was going through the, or baby, the baby had when he was going from one door to the next, 
that little kind of shout out to Amando that that got me, that that got me right in the feels. Yeah, it was such a like the same sort of emotion when like Padme and Anakin in Revenge of the Sith are looking over the city to each other, and it's just that like inevitable bad thing, like these yeah. like needless like bad mistakes have been made and something tragic's going to happen and. Yeah, when little oh, he's actual. I, I'm not sure if you're over this or not, Dom. Mm-hmm. But um, they've like the canon name for the baby Yoda is the uh, baby. Yeah, is Yoju. So um, just just stick with that. Okay. Okay. Noted. Isn't that right, Emily? Why Why do you keep doing this, deal? <laughs> why? The grin on your face right now. That's why. <laughs> I I I need the baby to have a name just so you can stop calling it Yoju. I did um a little bit of behind the scenes action. Emily did um DM me quite abusively. <laughs> yeah. Because Brittany, her partner on the Canobite Dispatch podcast, texted her some message saying how cute Yoju was and she sent me like the the conversation and um she didn't seem too pleased. Um, care to elaborate there, uh, Emily? I, I don't like it when you win. <laughs> <sighs> Get in line. Get in line. Uh, and it was, yeah, it, it's this. Um, then he goes back to the uh, the Mandalorian uh, the the what do they call it the coven or something the cantina no the like the cave where they all hang out the little tunnel where the Mandalorians all, all oh chill. yes yes that's right yes yes the culvert the culvert yes 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 and uh, that's where he has the line that we talked about on the last episode about how um, the the kill wasn't honourable and um, of 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 space rhino and how he can't take the little singlet on. Uh, because his enemy saved him, and the uh, the the horse. What's the lady's name? The hammer lady. The armorer. The armorer. God, so basic. Um, the armorer says, "Why would your enemy help me and uh, help you?" And he says, "They didn't know that they were my enemy," which is just the best line ever. So I want to acknowledge that, and that's when he gets his. Uh, New little weapon, the what was that thing called? The whistling, whistling, that? whistling birds. The whistling birds, so cool. Which uh, I love as a weapon, but I wish either he gave him or she gave him a couple other new weapons that he didn't use, or they waited like an episode for him to use it. It just seemed a little bit like. I don't know, like, here's this new thing. And then 15 minutes later, like, oh, this exact new thing works perfectly for the situation I'm in. But that's just me. That's just me. And uh, then there, he has another flashback and he gets put down into the the hole to uh, be saved from the super battle droids. And the super battle droid opens the lid towards the end of the flashback and then it cuts out. Now... At the next point, 
and I'm not sure if this has come up in the next episode. We haven't, or half of us haven't seen it yet. But is that super battle droid about to get lightsabered in half by a Jedi and perhaps a uh, a familiar Jedi? Thoughts, theories. Oh, uh, I think it's possible. I think that that is they're setting up for some kind of reveal. And I wonder, I think Emily and I spoke about it on Blue Harvest last week. Like, it could be as simple as maybe it was the armorer that saves him. But it seems awfully likely that they could set up for some kind of big cameo there. Want my prediction? I don't care if you do or not. I'm going to say it. (laughs) Jedi Master Yoda. Hence it would kind of line up with the baby, right? Hence why the moment he saw that it was a baby Yoda, a Yoju, if you will, and I will, um, he immediately connected with it because he had this childhood memory of mm. a, um, a non-Yoju, a Yoda, if you will, uh, saving him when he was a little boy. Now, that would be pretty mind-blowing, mm. I think, to have like Yoda turn up in a, uh, a flashback but something has to save him like that has to be like I feel like a big reveal of the show is what happens next absolutely Yoda return Emily where do you stand um all right I'm gonna say this I know I'm in the minority on this one I I don't like Yoda with a lightsaber I was once like you Cold okay. Inside. No, I, I, I always begrudge, like the Yoda lightsaber clip art. Like I don't, I like the actual scenes in the movie when he's got a lightsaber. I'm like frothing, but I don't know. I just, I think just episode three, Revenge of the Sith clip art, because it's sort of like that was the last new art that we had for so long. It just kept getting used on potato chip packets and and stuff for years. Like they had it up. Remember Hawes when we were at Celebration in Orlando and they had all those old banners up from previous celebrations? Yeah, and that was like one of the biggest ones was episode three, Yoda. I was having the time of my life except for that banner. That was the one blemish on my weekend. But uh, what what do you reckon, Dom? What do you reckon is going to happen next in the the flashbacks? You know, i got to be honest, until you just brought it up, I mean, I pretty much have had tunnel vision in regards to Bounty Hunters, as far as, like, the hook for the Episode 8 and 7. So I keep thinking just in regards to something with Boba. I know this sounds crazy, but just in terms of that, the Episode 1, the Season 1 hook is going to go back to Boba in one way or another. I I mean, I think ultimately he's going to, he has empathy because he was in the same situation as a child. It doesn't necessarily mean to be a specific culture or a race. Um, But I I just keep thinking, uh, looking for the surprises of, of kind of the, uh, the the Mandalorian and sort of the the bounty hunters, um, and specifically Boba for whatever reason, I just feel like uh, that's going to be the surprise hook to where everyone's jaw is going to be dropping until season two. But again, that's just a theory. Well, I'm all up for throwing hail mary theories, <laughs> so I'm going to extend yours. And the next scene is, or as it comes, he gets like pulled away or blasted or or lit on fire or something, destroyed, and it's revealed. To be Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. There's an oh, that'd be heaven. Because the age would probably work out, I think. 
I don't know, because Boba... How old would you say Boba is in Attack of the Clones? Uh, Ten. Ten? Yeah, And so, if this happens towards the end of the Clone Wars, like, how long do the Clone Wars go on? Like, three to five years or something like that? Oh, that's right, because now you're going to be before before Episode 4 because he's a boy. Right. Dude, I I didn't think about that. Wow. Wow, that was that was an amazing sentence, Dom. How you just started saying episode that was I think that's what people think Star Wars podcasts are like. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I didn't because obviously we have the time difference there. Wow. Yeah, I mean I think the great thing with Filoni and Favreau is they understand how important the OT is and how important just kind of the depth of uh, Star Wars uh, goes and, and I think you know they're gonna keep kind of uh, intermingling all the you know the storylines in one way or another. So I think whether it's Yoda or some, you know, it could be someone, uh, but I think it'll be special for everyone just because I, I feel like they've got their finger on the fan base because they are two themselves there. Now, Emily, I'm going to tailor my Yoda theory more to your tastes because <laughs> okay. right? I, one of my like pure joys in life is pleasing you. <laughs> what about if, in one of the following scenes, the droid just gets pushed away or just mysteriously crushes, and it's Yoda not using a lightsaber. I like that better. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to please. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you're missing some, just some very arrogant grinning coming through on on the pod now um after he uh drops the baby off he gives a little cry it's super sad and he goes back to see um rocky's own carl weathers and dominic they pan around there we are we're there oh my god there we are (laughs) mom i'm on tv I was um I was thrilled to see that side shot of you. I I, I can't because you know it, it's sort of I guess without thinking about it, the, the the lay person would just think that you know when you're going to be in the show and stuff. But you you're watching it on on Disney Plus probably at at twelve oh one, um you know probably even even more on point you're fast forwarding non-bounty hunter bits to get up to yours but but how was it seeing that shot uh it was amazing uh you know i am overall overall i'm satisfied there was one i don't mean to jump forward in terms of the standoff outside that i i wish deborah would have kept and david but uh ultimately i can't complain you know to be able to flank call there and uh have that one shot at the bar that was perfectly in focus I, i again just as a star wars fan not an actor it was just uh Beyond words, but uh, again, just overall with the story, um, I'm re- I just really am so pleased where it's going, you know. And I love how they sort of captured 99.8 percent of the audience there, and and the Star Wars fan base in terms of all kind of coming together uh, with this amazing story there. But having that like shot cut out in the battle at the end, does that, that does that give you any room to be alive? Uh, yes, I spoke with Brian and uh, I texted him. Brian Sipe is one of the heads of Legacy Effects, and I said I I wasn't seen killed. And uh, there, I think midway, maybe three quarters through season two, and he said I'm, I'll talk to them. So we'll see. He he messaged me two months ago, in all fairness, and was asking me a few questions. 
I, I've just been, you know, I got to be honest. It's like, I, as much as it would be an honor to come back, it's like I really am truly humble and grateful just for this opportunity. Whatever ends up happening happens. In a perfect world, yes, I would love to see my bounty hunter uh, have a side story in Kenobi to where maybe he goes after Luke. That would be freaking amazing to have a bounty hunter <laughs> guild uh, troop. And then Obi-Wan kind of uh, fights off. That's like my dream. But ultimately, you know, I'm just, I'm still sort of just basking in the joy and, and to be grateful. It's like winning the lottery and saying, hey, can I have some more? Um, we'll see where it goes. But ultimately, um, uh, I'm, you know, even if it just ends now and I, I'm, you know, just this little side character and, and just episode one and three, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Hashtag Gecko lives. Yes, he does. He does. It's just a question of uh, if Deborah and David and uh, and John they care about the minute you know the tiny side characters or, or the bounty hunter guild. Hopefully they do. But uh, either way, we'll see what happens. If you can just tie up the thought, like you need to tie up the cause of Gecko coming back somehow with Zack Snyder, and then you can like get those Snyder Cut people on board, and 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 you've got to board, you know release release the Gecko Cut. Please, uh, yes. Uh, There's this one great shot to where he's laying down on the flatbed, and I'm kind of over him about maybe 10 feet away before he throws the flamethrower, and I'm blasting the hell out of him, missing like a stormtrooper. But still, it would be that one shot that would just be so epic. Um, So who knows? Maybe there'll be an extended one-hour version of every episode, and maybe that will get make the cut there. Yeah, I I wish they did have a few. Like, I love on HBO when you watch, like, the new Succession. And then you can go watch like the next week clip and like a few behind the scenes featurettes. I'm, I'm a little bit bonus deprived. So, which I guess is being good for them because then I just rewatch that episode as my bonus material. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they put some bonus material behind the scenes stuff up once the series is done because there is a section for it on Disney Plus. Yeah, for both materials and stuff. With all due respect, yeah, they were they were there. Uh, they were there, and they were uh, for at least episode one and three. There was a tremendous amount of coverage, and you've seen some of it leak out on—not leak out, but uh, they've released on YouTube just with Kennedy there and the day that Lucas was there and such. But they were there for quite some time, doing uh, a really extensive behind the scenes. So I, I'm I'm confident that there'll definitely be more footage as uh, things progress. Well, I have. Um... Like John Favreau in interviews has said, he's more of a tell after sort of person like he likes people to watch the movie um or in this case tv show and then afterwards explained how it all worked out like what the you know the magician's trick was so it actually would be if if you're a like bobby i you know he's a he's a cunning head of um a media corporation it would be wise to hold off all that bonus footage and um, starve us for it, and then after the series is done, to keep us subscribed before like the Clone Wars starts, to mm-hmm. then drip out some like here's the bonus stuff on episode one, or this is an, yeah. an enhanced version, like like you know that sort of stuff with you know factoids popping up or something. But there's there's a lot of um, you know for me I'm 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 there for Star Wars. So if you add in some little fun star wars like filler in between new show premieres that would um i'm sure that would help a lot of people stay subscribed but um you know it's uh it is pretty incredible we have a star wars tv show that we get to watch on giant tv screens 
I do have one little behind the scenes story. Um, Love it. I, I really, there was no indication, and I think that would have leaked at one, in one way or another. I mean, I certainly would not have done it, but there was no indication of what that baby was. If anything, I thought that it was going to be more of a depth, uh, in depth look to episode seven through nine, to where I was under the impression I knew it was a baby, uh, but I thought it was going to be either um, Ray, Finn, or Poe. And this was going to be kind of their backstory. So I, I thought it was a very pleasant surprise. In terms of Werner knowing, I mean, I'm sure the stars did, but uh, the cast and crew, I mean, not the cast and crew, but I mean, just the side characters and the crew, I mean, I, I think he was very protective over that. We we just thought it was a baby, and that was it. Did you see the crib? Uh, no, not at all. No, uh, it was just he was holding it like a football. That's all we saw, and that was basically he was holding on to a, a swaddled baby, ah, um, but we yeah. did not see the head, the face, or anything. Um, uh, during the standoff. Oh, that is so... So what was it like when you saw the reveal of Yoju? Uh, I was really surprised because the whole time... I mean, really, because, again, the whole time my mind was going towards who raised parents, and maybe this is going to be the <laughs> awesome backstory that connects us to Nine, uh, and then, you know, Seven, Eight, Nine will be sort of uh, salvaged in many ways because it's going to have some, some good juice oh, to it. Oh, uh, but, oh. uh, but, yeah... Yeah, but I, I just mean that respectfully. But but uh, that's what I thought it was going to be, you know. Was that maybe a little more depth and juice to the backstory of the characters, you know, in terms of Ray's parents and, you know, the whole the whole deal with that and such. Yeah, I I never even conceived of that. Does that, I guess it could work age-wise, but either way. Um, yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's Yoju. It's Yoju. <laughs> I... It would be. What do you? You're big in. You always got real good theories, Hawes. Do you think? Um, like, what do you think's like in the long term future of Yoju? Is he? Is he? Is he someone that we're going to be um, like growing up with if for the next uh, decade of Star Wars? I don't know because, like, with them establishing that he also has the Force, right? you naturally kind of want to wonder if he ends up with Luke Skywalker at some point? Well, if that's the case, things don't turn out too well for that baby Yoda. So uh, hopefully that's not it. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) you got to think these things through. Um, uh, I kind of wonder if ultimately his destiny is going to be being reunited with some other Yodas. Like, is that what the Mandalorian's going to end up doing is dropping? Are we going to see a bunch of Yodas at some point? Like some ET angle, yeah. And then what happens when baby Yoda's not in the series anymore? Like, (laughs) is that the end of this season? Is him, you know, getting baby Yoda to safety? And will that take away some people's interest if there's not a baby Yoda anymore? I don't know. Yeah, that's sort of... Like a real fun thing about the Mandalorian is it's open ended. Like you know, so much of Star Wars, like whether it's you know the prequels or the Clone Wars cartoon or like res- to a point Resistance and Rebels. Like we've always known the end point where it sort of has to like what where the pieces have to fit. And this one is like right. is is Yoju like in every season of the Mandalorian? Like, is, is, is he the Mandalorian's Kramer? Or is he the Mandalorian's Banya? Are these references resonating with anyone? Oh, God. It's, uh, you lost me. Sorry. <laughs> Seinfeld. It's a, it's a good show. It's, um... Yes, yes, yes. Um, how was it on, on like, set with uh, that whole 
Carl Weathers scene. I, I loved the way he compliments the Mandalorian but kind of yells the compliments out to all you, like, you know, pretty scumbaggy other bounty hunters to let you know how you're underperforming. What was yeah. the, the life on set for that day? Uh, just overall, I mean, I can't say enough about Filoni, Favreau, and, and uh, Chow. It's not only them, but it's also, uh, you know, I was, I was on a previous podcast just talking about hiring good people to where you just, it was just effortless uh, from start to finish. The level of professionalism, everyone on set, it was, and I'm not just saying this uh, to be PC, it just really, from start to finish, was just, everybody knew where they needed to be. Um, there was no adjustments, there was no confusion in terms of story. I was on a show called True Detective, the second season, to where, you know, a lot of people are scurrying around at the last minute trying to figure out which way that this is going to go, which way that's going to go. It was just one direct ship where you had everyone on top, on deck, just really at the ready, and... Um, it, it was just as smooth as can be. Carl was there to do his work. I mean, we, we hobnobbed just a little bit, but ultimately, um, you know, between Mando and also uh, Carl, it was just uh, really ultimately just the most professional atmosphere that you could ever ask for. Uh, both uh, ADs, the first and second, uh, were both female. That was the first time I saw that, which I think was absolutely outstanding. And uh, also Deborah Chow, again, I mean, what, a, what an amazing leader. And, and uh, just can't say enough good things. It really was smooth. Now, I'm a bit of a, like... I don't know, like a, I don't know, just I don't watch things that complicated to pick up like different directors and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. I just sort of, I, it's hard for me to like work out what the director does like and how the different episodes people notice a difference. But for you, Dom, like on set with, you know, you had Dave Filoni, then Deborah Chow, like, mm -hmm. like is there a difference in style or like, like, like yeah. what? What makes believe, the difference? Yeah, I believe Chow just had an interview, and I, I, I don't know the source, but it was just in regards to her inspiration from doing the coverage of the standoff, and that was very specific to her. Um, I'm not that much of a film buff to know the difference between whether Filoni would have shot it differently or Chow, but I know she was inspired by specific uh, influences throughout her career, I think even some from the Far East, um, that have inspired her in order to uh, give her the decisions that she made for that uh, that um, scene to play out. Tight. Then he has his. Um... Oh, do you think we ever like when they show that Admiral Ak the Moncal um, bounty? Is that ever going to get followed up on, or is that just a t like mm -hmm. a like a, a tangent that's sort of the Battle of Tanab, and and it's like a, a what if. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just, again, just such a compliment to Favreau and Filoni for constantly integrating uh, the original trilogy, the Clone Wars, you know, Rebels, etc. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, which, again, I think just really piques the interest of the diehard Star Wars fans. Now, um, yeah, so he ends up having his, his change of heart. He, he, got, he heads back to uh, Werner's place. Now, yeah. as a new father, the scene where he finds the crib thrown out just hit me because... You know, like babies are expensive, and and these <laughs> things have resale value, right? So <laughs> the fact they just had no regard for how expensive this baby was to look after, it's like you got to resell this thing. Get on like Space Craig's list, Space Craig. Yeah. See what he's up to. And um, as a uh, you know, a, a huge fan of uh, Return of the Jedi, I loved the eyeball coming back, the the, the space padlock. Yeah. And then when the Mando rips him out, I was like, oh, that's a bit. Khan, 
He's he's just an eyeball doing his eyeball job. What more do you want from him? Um, now, we might have missed something interesting in Star Wars in the cantina scene. And I, I'm not sure where I fall on it, but did anybody catch that possibly Carl Weathers dropped a curse word we haven't heard in Star Wars yet? Oh, Ichuta? No, no, an actual... English curse word. Oh, no kidding. Oh, wow. Interesting. No. So when the Mandalorian is like, um, how many, how many of them had tracking fobs? Carl Weathers goes, shit, all of them. (gasps) And it's not in the subtitles, but that's what it sounds like. And I've gone and listened several times. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me hearing it. I didn't catch it the first time. Somebody on Twitter pointed it out. So we have the first Star Wars bathroom, and we got the first Star Wars curse word. I mean, you get your money's worth right there already. <laughs> this series, of, and then what about the tractor beam? I heard that was an Easter egg too. I think uh, leaning up against one of the village walls from the um, the, uh, the the garbage chute there from uh, from Episode Four. Oh, yeah, the um, like one of the poles that was in the yes. the trash compactor. Yes, trash compactor. Yes, I. The fact that someone thought to put that in and then someone like recognizes it. It's, it's delicious. I, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it is, it is, it is pure, pure Star Wars. I also love pure Star Wars is the eyeball gets ripped out and there's a noise and the stormtroopers from the safety of their base, from a very great strategic place to be down that hall, go, Oh, let's split up and go outside and, and look for who made that noise in the dark. That is, that like, that's they're so dumb. That's why they're stormtroopers. Yes. Like if they were smart enough to stay in the hall, then they'd be smart enough not to end up as stormtroopers. So it just works <laughs> out perfectly. Is there going to be an upgrade in their in, in their mind with the Sith troopers, the red ones? Hopefully, uh, we'll get a little bit. Somebody's actually going to connect on a shot. That'll be amazing in episode nine. Oh, hopefully not. I um <laughs> we we haven't talked about this on the podcast, but. Last night in Star Wars, we found out that um, Warwick Davis is is back in the Ewok costume, which which yes, uh, Hawes texted me a uh, in the middle of my Thanksgiving dinner. This like very important that you watch this clip. Have you seen it? And I, I watched it, and I had to excuse myself from the table so I didn't have to explain um, while I was uh, while I was weeping at the side. So, so this is something I had missed. Oh really? I had no cuz I have a bunch of stuff muted now. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Okay. Let's talk about the Mandalorian. My favorite part is that Emily then went to take a sip out of her cup that's got your merch on it, Steel, just to rub it in even further. Like, look how much I support you, Steel, and look what you just did to me. I keep thinking that I can edit it out and somehow it will solve. Edit out of my brain. Yeah, I, that's that's how podcast like thought process I am. Sorry, Emily. I it, it, 
it's it's an out there. It's it's a publicly uh-huh. displayed. I apologize. It, it would have happened sooner or later anyway, but it happened here with you. <laughs> hey, has anybody seen Boba Fett anything, in anything? They want to break it to me? Because, like, like, we could just keep this going. <laughs> That's a good segue. I'll go with that. Hey, Dom, <laughs> what was it like seeing all those Mandalorians on the set? Was that cool? Topic change. Uh, go. Yeah, yeah, Tate Fletcher, Tate Fletcher, my God. I mean, not only such a legendary stuntman, but, oh, my God, to see him right next to me is that big gunner. We worked together on a failed uh, series for Amazon called uh, John Claude Van Johnson. We were both stuntmen, and I photo-doubled him uh, on one episode as well. But, I mean, it was pretty cool the whole time I was there, seeing all the different shapes and sizes. The first thing that went to my mind was just, uh, uh, the, just the toy line, you know, as far as how it's going to, you know, uh, satisfy people, uh, all the Boba Fett lovers uh, of all different shapes and sizes, especially uh, Tate, which, as you can see, is is really the highlight of the Black Series right now coming out. So uh, just praying, like I said, not to be uh, a little bit uh, self-centered, but just praying for the third or fourth wave they have. Come on, they got to have some of the bad side character bounty. Yes, he's got it right there. Oh, my God. I mean, how, you know, you have the Boba Fett armor, plus you got a big, big, burly guy like Tate, who's probably one of the greatest stuntmen in, in Hollywood right now. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Now, I have to applaud, you know, I've I'm normally first in line to um, have little jabs at, at Star Wars and, and Hasbro for their product releases and how before the Force Friday, everything's already out anyway, so what does it matter? But how they got this figure out perfectly timed is um, is quite remarkable. When when did you, like, was, was there shots of this uh, Mando before this episode, Horse? Of the figure? Yeah. There was. the. I think I saw it on Yak Face the day The Mandalorian came out. He was like, well, look what I found. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But the pre-order for the figure went up, I want to say the day after that episode aired. So, like, for that character to make an appearance in the show, the pre-order for the figure to go up, and then less than a week later for it to show up at my house, that's really good planning on their part for once. Yeah, and that's like, what a way to drive sales. Like to have, like to plan it out that you've got this new amazing, like toyetic um, character entering with a, a giant gun and he's like shooting everyone. And then like, at, you know, almost at the end of the episode, like... Enjoyed the uh, the gunned Mando, then buy it now at StarWars.com. Like that is that is some good corporate synergy there, <laughs> and that'd be like. But then then I'm just like, yeah, but where's your uh, your your cure on Kurg, like battle pack or whatever? Like that is if they had any. Is it is there a cure figure or a, or a cure? There's on only Kurg? a pop, as far as I've seen. Dude, he would be. Um, that would be the like just a sweet like even like it reminds me of those old special edition like Jubax and Rontos. That would be a, a perfect sort of pack like that. Did you know the interesting little piece of inf- uh, like canon information about that heavy Mando? No. His name listed in the credits is Paz B A Z Vizla. Nice little callback to the Clone Wars. Yeah, so is the Vizlas, like, is that like a clan? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and pre-Vizla is John Favreau, yeah? Right, who also 
does the voice for the heavy infantry Mandalorian. Oh, okay. For some reason, I just thought it was that um, the actor. That's very naive of me. All right, I'm going to... Okay. He needed to say it's money more for me to realize who it was. <laughs> um, but Hawes, you know, you're a, a massive Mando guy. When um, they all started jetpacking in, doing the run-in, as it were, as we've talked about many times, um, how is the, the skin on your body? Was it bubbling at all in the form of uh, gooses? It was, and I unfortunately woke Jesse up at 3 a.m. in the morning screaming. <laughs> Wicket's, the morning, Wicket's in the film. Wicket's in the film. Well, the next morning she goes, well, I guess by your reaction, Boba Fett must have shown up in the episode. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. No, nope, that's not what happened. Almost. Almost. It was gecko fever sweeping the nation all in one, <laughs> one big breath. Everyone was freaking out over it. They said, oh, wait, what, people were in the sky? No, what about the guy on the left of uh, Carl? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> But come on, they gotta have a whole place set. They gotta have, you know, if you're gonna have your diorama, you gotta have the guy on Carl's left. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm saying. Okay, all right. Um, and uh, then it. Ah, uh, oh, that's what I want to know, Dom. It looked like that all took place on the outside set, but you never went to the outside set. So was it? Like how how does that, that work? That I, I that that, I, that whole spaceship was a drape. Uh, it was the village on the inside. The dirt was black, which threw me because you know we felt like we were in the cantina, like maybe Tatooine. But uh, the dirt was black. Obviously, I felt like it signified a different planet. But all it was up was the village uh, itself and the cobblestone, uh, half you know cobblestone, half kind of uh, black uh, ground. Uh, and then the, there was an entire big, huge green curtain around us all. So that whole spaceship was all um, CGI'd. One of the things that really will trip you out, if you go back into Werner Herzog's office, the first day that I had a screen test, um, that whole office behind him, even the wall, I mean, even the window looks so real. And that right there is the LED technology. All of that, I, my eyesight is perfect. And literally, I was sitting there like about 20, 25 feet away, just staring at it because I could not believe how crystal clear it was. But that whole thing behind him is, is, uh, is the wall. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much similar within that uh, soundstage as well. Uh, I mean, this other soundstage that was larger that we were at at Manhattan Beach Studios, but that was all indoors. That was not nighttime, any of that. And it's just amazing what they can do with technology. Amazing. That the fact that his office is fake, I'm, I'm sure. Isn't that, isn't that something? Isn't that something? I, that's why I, I literally. But what really was confusing was the depth. It, you know, I could see if you just do the back wall. With the, they have like a little slit of the daylight you're seeing, but literally then if you go up a little bit, you see like kind of the, the tier or whatever, you know, the, the pillar or what have you, whatever you want to call it, that's kind of coming up, that's closer, and all of that is all on a two-dimensional screen. It just is amazing, and I, I can't tell you how excited I am uh, just visually to see what they're going to do because uh, what this plays out to is the space battles to where they're able to uh, have the camera kind of move around whatever spaceship uh, and play that out on the screen, it's going to look absolutely amazing. I think we're in for a, a lot more uh, uh, great little treats there with that new technology. He used it in Jungle Book, I believe, as well. So so you go into the set, and the desk is there. And is, is the wall that's projected on the back, is it straight, or is it curved, or does it... Curved. 
Awesome. So, so even, ar- even around to the left where yo- uh, baby Yugli, whatever you want to call him, was going in. Yugli! Uh, Emily, it's Yugli. <laughs> Yoju's better than that, surely. So, yeah, it was a curve. And on the outside, when I was walking in, I thought it was just kind of be like a set, a set to like the Star Destroyer or something because they had all these like um, um, square uh, screens that were just black in the, in the back with a light plugged in. So I was like, oh, wow, this has got to be a really cool set. Turns out it was just like there's like uh, two rows of MIT graduates on one side and uh, just a sort of curved screen coming around. I don't want to say about 180 degrees, but I mean, it was curved pretty well. And then they would fill it in with a little bit of drywall uh, or, or uh, whatever you call it there, um, you know, paper mache, whatever it is, as far as to bleed out into actually the real world. That, that uh, Tatooine stucco. Something like you would see at an amusement park. Ah, so what, like, if it's curved, is it curved like a circle or an, like a, more like an oval? Like not like a perfect circle? Uh, I, I felt like it was a perfect uh, circle there, okay. but it could have been a little bit more ovalish. But yeah, it actually wrapped around. And again, I mean, the image that it projected was like nothing I've ever seen before. And then, you know, how, I mean, nor- yeah. How far, like, like was it half a circle, or like how far did it bend around? I, I would say about a, a quarter circle they were using, but they also had the ability, if they wanted to, to continue and extend that out. They can even go three sixty if they wanted oh, wow. to with the technology they have. Oh my god! I. Yeah, I'm. I've never been so excited to rewatch a show to see The Office again. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can even look. I mean, even if you see a screenshot, I actually pulled one on uh, online, and I just still am looking at it. I'm still beyond amazed because uh, you cannot tell the difference. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that is. So but, I mean, it's, it's sort of bittersweet because I feel like it's almost the end of movie locations as we know it uh, at this level. I mean, it really is something. I mean, you know, but but you heard about Black Panther and also, you know, Avengers, where I think a lot of those at the big sound stages in Atlanta, uh, they took care of the whole entire. Uh, what was the name of the uh, the, t- the town in uh, Black Panther there or whatever there? You, 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 uh, Wakanda. Wakanda. Wakanda, Wakanda, yeah. Wakanda. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Wakanda. I mean, it's just now they don't even have to leave one stage. And I think there were like three stages plus one outside. They can go on for ten seasons just like that. It's it's really amazing what they can do now. Wow! I was I was so I was so amazed though seeing the spaceship behind me because uh, none of that was there. I mean, it was a couple of dark, uh, big tall pillars that were there that you can see, but the spaceship behind it, I had no idea what was gonna uh, they were gonna project there, and and that's uh, what it was. And it, it I got a pretty cool screenshot there with uh, Carl and the spaceship behind, which is hopefully. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little a nice little shot there. It's behind you. <laughs> yeah. I like the dual uses. Like you've got this crazy um, screen set, but then out, you know, at the open LA set, they sort of used it like a Star Wars play set with like like how kids would play, and then they'd like this bit of the sand pits, this, then this bit's like <laughs> this bit's hot, and yeah. like I like the duality that they're using, like the most basic like fake sets and then the most like 
unbelievable, frankly, movie sets. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully it doesn't, as you say, hopefully it doesn't get too easy to use. I did, um, there was an interview with Kathleen Kennedy, maybe in Rolling Stone, I've read so much and not really attributed, but she was saying that it's like super good, but you have to, like the filmmaker has to plan ahead because they're doing all their post-production work in pre-production because you have to have all the effects ready for filming on day one. So hopefully that holds some, because, you know, I want to, everyone loves seeing, it'd be odd if, um, you know, the Pablo Hidalgo, like, guide was all just cgi like things in the background after every shot there was something i I didn't know you know how to use the technology but they would come with this stick and a silver ball uh and they would call they call balls and charts and uh they would you know everybody would have to kind of just stay still uh more or less and they would uh the camera all the camera angles would have to pick up this ball on a stick and then also uh i think almost like this color scheme of uh this chart um, and they would do that after every shot, and that was obviously attributed. I mean, going towards the uh, all the technology and the post uh, that they were doing, pretty uh, amazing stuff. That I don't know if it's. I guess it's the same sort of ball, but they. I remember always seeing pictures of like Rob Knoll on the set of The Phantom Menace with like a ball next to Ahmed yeah. Best and stuff. Like, a, yeah, I'm not sure how it works, but yeah, that's. I'm sure it was the same technology. Um, yeah, with one, but obviously much more detailed now <laughs> for sure. Do they use any like? Um, like ropes or, you know, like were the Mandalorians up in the air at all and getting levered down on set or was that all done later on? Uh, yes, they were. Uh, yeah. And they broke, they, they broke it up to where um, then certain ones were done later on. Uh, but Tate, yeah, was coming from the, uh, the sky. I mean, that's why they had one of the top stuntmen uh, have that, that heavy armor role. Um, yeah, he was coming from the sky, which is pretty awesome. Sick. And, and you were saying he's... Um... The same dude that picked a fight with the Mandalorian in episode one, yeah? Yeah, that confused me because, you know, it can't be the right it can't be the same character, right? I mean, because obviously the Mandalorians have that code, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the only thing that threw me. But uh, yeah. I mean he's just such a joy to have on set, such a professional, so I'm I'm sure they just used him twice, but yeah. Pretty amazing. But he has it on on his IMDB, so it's not like it's any secret. I was just I just didn't know if maybe Maybe ended up becoming best friends, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I don't mean it's like some big secret. It's just interesting, you know, for people to be able to put a face to the their heavy yeah. infantry. Uh, there there you go, Hawes. You know John who it is Wick now. And the Equalizer and uh, Westworld. Uh, I mean, his resume is insane. Tight. Um, what do we make of the code? Like, this seems, from my Star Wars knowledge... Um, along with this is the way, th- this is sort of like a new thing introduced into Mandalorian culture. And like, Hawes, you're the Mando guy. Is this like this sect of Mandalorians that are going by this or is something happened during the purge that led them to not want to take their masks off or have this honor of keeping your mask on? Yeah, it's kind of confusing, right? Because in Clone Wars and Rebels, we see nothing but Mandalorians taking their helmets off. Yeah, and no one knows that more than everybody. No one knows that more than Dave Filoni. Like, it's not like they're not like later on going, oh, we we forgot these episodes that I spent 10 years working on. Right. There's obviously going to be an explanation, but what's your your theory of what it's going to lead to? I think it has something to do with the fact that clearly there's not a lot of Mandalorians around anymore, especially compared to what we saw previously. 
so it's probably some sort of self-preservation thing where they don't show their faces or you know they there was uh they did establish that there are different clans and different clans do different things and have different like sort of ways of life in the mandalorian so maybe it could just be the specific clan does the masks not coming off make you like the mandalorians more less or no effect no effect Okay. Because I like them less. Oh, really? Because I'd want to take my mask off. Like, I think it's a silly rule. Seems like it would get a little uh, annoying at a certain point. Yeah, it just seems like, I don't know. It's just one of those things of like, but I don't know. Like, what does it serve not taking the mask off? I guess that's like, I'd be interested. Like, hopefully in the, the canon, there's like a there's a reason or something, but I do like the little thing, how they only go outside one at a time. So I guess it seems like there's only one Mandalorian and not a whole tribe. Cause they all like dress so similarly. Right. And it's hard to pin down. Like, let's say one day you see the Mandalorian, the main character out and about. And then the next day you see the heavy guy. Well, you might know there's two, but it's hard to pin down exactly how many of them are. There are, you know, yeah, like how many Greedos are there? We never see them all together, so we just think there's like just just a couple, just a couple. <laughs> uh, and then the episode um, finishes up um, with him getting away, and then one of the Mandalorians uh, flying next to him, and he drops the uh, the uber cool line about needing to get one of those. So um, that's uh, that is. Pretty damn sick. Now, um, Dom, uh, we'll let you go first with your uh, final thoughts. And um, I I can't wait to hear this. Your rating out of 10 of this episode. Well, we got to give a 10 just for those those bounty hunter girls. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, 10 across the board. I I really think it's just amazing. I love how they have uh, brought the entire fan base together with except two or three people complaining on, on Twitter. Um, I, I really just love the fact that they're not only going to, again, intertwine the OT stuff and the Clone War stuff. And, and I mean, just the, the beautiful long lasting history of, of the Star Wars lore um, and also combine it with some level of depth, I think with this character and the fact that it is a baby Yoji or what have you, you're going to go into the depth of mythology. Yoji. And I think that's what makes Star Wars very special. Um, is really you have an amazing um, uh, you, you have just an amazing uh, uh, amount of options in terms of, um, uh, of of where the storyline can go in depth, and I think that's the key to making Star Wars successful is the depth of mythology, um, the, the depth of characters, and also the difference between light and good. Um, and I think it's nice that it's sort of kid friendly, and and also I think that the the old the old fan base is also completely one hundred percent on board. Yeah, it's um I, I find it so exciting that so much of the preview clips were from those episodes. And like there's only a, a like a handful I can think of that we're yet to have seen. So it's yeah, it's, it's so cool that it's open ended and we just have no idea what, what's um what's really gonna go down. Uh Emily, what are your final thoughts and um and the all important st- statistic? Um 
I I thought this episode was was incredible. I I still can't believe this big Mandalorian fight happened in episode three. It's crazy. It sort of set my expectations for the rest of the series on a different path. Um, I'm glad they didn't kill Werner Herzog. I thought he was going to die in that when he's getting the baby back. I'm glad he didn't die yet. I want to see him again. Um, The only thing that stopped me from getting this episode of 10 is I hate that I got to get one of those lines. I, I hate it. You hate what? That I got to get one of those. Ah. It's, it's, it's not, I don't know. It's just, well, first of all, cause it's, it's just an Iron Man line basically. And yeah, I get, you know, the whole John Favreau thing, but man, like, you know, like it's just one of those things that bugs me and I know it's disproportionate, but that's how it is, is, is my ire over that line. <laughs> Uh, I was really turned off with the uh, the sports announcers and the pod race in episode one um, because of that. And I know what you mean in that regard. It's it's unfortunate that sometimes you feel like it, it takes you right out of the film. Uh, arguably, and I'm going to be hated for this, sometimes I, with the Stan Lee cameos, I felt that way too. It's like, you know, you're just kind of enjoying the storyline. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. And I, it's unfortunate sometimes when the, you know, sometimes a little bit too much of reality or too much of a nod to something else that it's, takes you out of it yeah. a little bit. It's like it's too much of a wink. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, the, that, yeah, that, the that, pod rest. Yeah. If you've pod, seen Star pod, Wars Special Edition, you know that's part of the Mandalorian culture is winking <laughs> to the camera. It's all connected. It's all connected. I, it, it definitely, that line, it's like louder than every other line because it's so kind of TV and like, yeah, like very marvel And, um, I, I could see people like I don't mind it, but I can totally see how people would just go, "Nah, that's that, that doesn't that hits me, that hits my Star Wars nerves in the wrong way." Um, are you are, are you pro needing to get one of those or not, Hawes? Uh I think he needs to get one. You know, not a huge fan of the line. No, I actually dislike the salute afterwards more than the line, I need to get one of those. Like, when the dude does, like, the salute at him. Like, that, for some reason, and once again, it's a small nitpick, seemed too Earth-related. Like, it seems like they could have done something cooler for a Mandalorian salute, you know? I, I think um, one thing that's cool about it, if I, if I can, is just, I think, you know, even just the way that it's kind of structured in terms of having a job, with, uh, you know, where he's got to collect these bounties, I think it definitely makes for an amazing role-playing game in regards to upgrades and also uh, grabbing bounties uh, as far as for a video game. But other than that, I, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. The, uh, uh, the Mandalorian would make the best Star Wars video game ever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's... And the, the upgrades, I, yeah, that's the first thing I was thinking about with the armor and then also, you know, your, your, you know, your gun, whatever, uh, your blaster, uh, that would be really special. And, of course, jetpack and everything else. Yeah, he's built for a video game. Um, yes. And then, you know, you have, it's almost like a Grand Theft Auto. You have your tasks, you know, that you have to play out, you know, maybe perhaps before finding Baby Yoda, you know. Baby Yoji, Yogi, whatever. Yoju. Yoju. Come Yo-ju. on. <laughs> I, I, I tried to make the name as simple and as annoying as possible. So 
just work just like with you. me. Work with me. Um, Emily, I do find it telling that in that scene, you know, in, with all Yoju and um, Werner, that everyone else in Star Wars fandom was worried about Yoju and you're like, I hope the evil Imperial uh, moth... <laughs> survives look because i know they're not gonna kill baby yoda yoju i'm not calling him that they're not killing baby yoda yoju. but chance at like at some point probably this season Werner herzog is gonna bite it and i'm gonna be sad because then i don't get any cool Werner herzog speeches about how the imperials are awesome and he's just great i love him so much i love that documentary he did with that poor guy who's up there in alaska that was something Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Well. And he's in Star Wars. Werner Herzog's in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I one, of my favorite, one of my favorite things to come out of him being in Star Wars is all the behind-the-scenes anecdotes. And one came out this week that I sent to Emily where they were talking about him interacting with the baby Yoda puppet on set, and they Yoju. went to take it away, and he said, You're cowards. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they were going to take it away because they wanted to like, like have some shots that they could do. Yeah, if they were going to make him digital. Ah, and, yeah. And he's like, you guys, he called them cowards. Ah, Did, that is awesome. Didn't he, didn't he like da- drag his cast and crew in the Amazon like for like months and months at one of oh. his original? Yeah, right. And they yeah, just yeah. Put, put them to yeah, hell. He's right? He's crazy. Yeah. He's also like. Allegedly held a gun on one of his actors. He's wow. nuts. <laughs> An alleged gun. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. Sometimes we got to do it, you know? Oh, man. That is the fact that they had to film the backup in case they had to CGI it and he called them cowards. That is. That well, is... De- Deborah Cho also in one of her interviews was saying that that Werner started talking to the Yoda puppet like it was a real child. And he apparently loves it, and that delights me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can save them both. Um, Emily, you said that you couldn't give it a 10 because of that line. So what do you give it? It's like 9.95. Nine point backpack. (laughs) Pause. Final thoughts. You, 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 Jesse. You know, um, she woke in because of your joy. Final. I thoughts give it a ten. It is something I never thought I would actually see. It's the kind of like Mandalorian fan fiction I had swimming around in my head, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's that's never going to happen." Oh well. Um, it felt like a season finale instead of just the third episode of mm. a series. And uh, I loved it. it. It is one of my favorite Star Wars things ever, that episode. It was um, when, like, I'm not t- like like a full Mando person. You know, people like really love the Mandalorian culture. I, I think it's pretty rad. But when they were all flying around, I was like, that's pretty sick. But then I was just like thinking of like you and like Sal and that just like frothing on the ground in front of their TVs. It, it, it just made me giddy with, um, you know, for people that have been, you know, cosplaying as, as, you know, Mando's for all these years to get that in a live action 
thing. It, and uh, it, it did feel like a bit of a season finale, um, which I'm going to give it. And I have to leave room for, for something. Like they have to top it. This is only episode three. We haven't even no, got, they don't. We haven't even got <laughs> Gus Fring yet in, in the show. I, or, I want um, three to stand out all the way through eight. <laughs> all right, fine. They're never topping this. Um, and, 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 and Gina Carano and stuff. Like we're, we've still got all that to enjoy. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with a nine, which is um, my highest score yet, I think. I can't remember what I gave the first episode. I believe it is. Okay, nice. I think I was eight and a half. But, um, yeah, just some, you know, fun to nitpick, but overall it's like, how does this exist? How, like, this is a bizarre future where we all sit out in our homes independently and on these thin TVs get, like, Mandalorian stories. It's... <sighs> I, love, I love the future. It's awesome. Uh... Dominic, where can we find you on the internet and uh, where can the good people follow you? Thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Uh, it's Dominic Pace on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. Um, I'm proud to announce I'm, I'm doing a lot of work with the 501st now in terms of donating uh, signed photos uh, to go towards their charities all over the country, all over the world. And uh, really look forward to touring the conventions and seeing a lot of the Star Wars fan base throughout the country and uh, hopefully the the uh, the side character will become one of those legendary uh, bounty hunters. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what the future has in store. Nice. Now, I'm not sure who the competitors are, but I feel like you may have recorded the most Star Wars podcasts in the shortest <laughs> period in the history of Star Wars fandom. How how many do you think you've done? Ah, uh, man. I mean, you know, look, this is. I think every Star Wars fan would understand, and especially if you were to combine that with being an actor and, you know, all the PR angles that I've had with my fingertips with previous shows, uh, I would say maybe about 20 to 25. I, I was really passionate in trying to get this character off the ground, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job with it um, for many positive reasons that uh, will we'll be coming uh, henceforth. Um, but, yeah, about 20, 25. I, I love Star Wars. I love talking to the fan base. I'm one of the fans, so... It hasn't really been a number. It's been just a joy to speak with so many uh, and give them an opportunity to shine as well there. So it's been a privilege the past month, 25 or so. Yeah. I Like you sort of think like if that happened to me and I somehow got a bit part like a behind the scenes thing or was a tree or anything in Star Wars. <laughs> a tree. Like, well, now I, I, I've lost my chance to be a tree now because of that bloody screen. Um <laughs> So thanks. Thanks, technology. The future sucks. <laughs> Down with the future. I want to be a Star Wars tree. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I would have tackled it with the same joyous exuberance as you and just like, let's just talk about this. This is the best yeah. thing. So and when, it's cool to see a true, like, yeah, a, a, a sort of a, a one of us, one of us, <laughs> um, you know, sort of dancing that line between... Uh, yeah being on uh on the streaming service and mm -hmm. on the uh the four-way skype chat um mm -hmm. how the mighty have fallen uh <laughs> emily how do we find you and your very recommended podcast uh my podcast is called the Cantabite dispatch i do that with my friend Brittany brown we have releases every friday at midnight that's a lot of fun uh not safe for work but 
uh, we enjoy ourselves. And you can find it on Twitter and Instagram at CantobitePod, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. And it has the um, the the rare honor of the only Star Wars podcast that I listen to that makes me blush. <laughs> oh, I love making you uncomfortable. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, this is a bit, whew, bit, bit, bit hot and heavy for me. It's like, come on, Brittany, steer it off, steer it off. Talk about Disneyland. Come on, come on. Um, but yeah, awesome fun to listen to. Horse. Uh, yes, sir. You can find me on Blue Harvest every Saturday with my buddy Will. Uh, that's a podcast. And you can find me on Rogue One with Johnny and Michael Pappas. That's uh, also something you could listen to. And you can find me at Blue Harvest Pod on Twitter. Excellent. And you can also hear us together on our, um, our dual Patreon bonus show, Star Wars Year by yeah. Podcast, where we go through... Star Wars history, and we just we've just gotten up to the end of 1977, which was uh, quite a uh, eventful year in Star Wars. Indeed. So that, that's super fun, and you can hear that for three dollars a month, along with all the other bonus content on either of our patrons. You can listen to them on both, one in each year, and and get your total value for money. Uh, you can follow me at. Steel Wars. If you enjoy the show, give us a share and uh, leave a comment or a, a thumbs up if you're on YouTube or a, a sweet five-star review on the iTunes. That's what it's called. I was going to say on the podcast, but the podcast on the iTunes. Um, thanks so much, you guys, and may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.